Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 113th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of the site, and I will be your host for this episode. Before we get into our finale of our Obi-Wan Kenobi review series, Sith Happens, and I introduce our all-star, pun intended, uh, panel. Yeah, because it's Star Wars, Star, got it, yeah, yeah, I had to, just for anyone who didn't get it. Um, it's been a long day, uh, I'm just going to do a little housekeeping, just let you know what's coming up on the Socially Distance Podcast. Next week, Al and I are both off, and we will be uh, releasing a pre-recorded interview we did with Tommy Siegel of Jukebox the Ghost, and as well as his own solo work, and he is a renowned artist. We're going to be catching up with him for the first time in two years. He was in like the first 25 episodes of season one. So really stoked for him to be back on the podcast. Really fun interview uh, to be had. After that, we're back in full force talking about Stranger Things season four as the second part will have concluded by then. Following week would be Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that. After that, good question, but we'll be ending the month, hopefully uh, talking about uh Jordan Peele's new movie, Nope. Then be, then comes an amazing August. We'll be talking about Netflix's adaptation of Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. We'll be talking about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, the new Game of Thrones prequel series, House of the Dragon, as well as Andor, the Cassian Andor Star Wars series. And then, of course, we'll be heading into our uh, pr uh, annual preseason football podcast. And then after that, it's a whole bunch of question marks, but I'm sure we'll figure it out. Now, let's get down to the reason we are here to talk about the finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, let me introduce our all-star panel. Of course, Al Manorino is not here because the weather is warm and Al has a social life and he often disappears. Well, that would be the joke I normally would say, but he's actually in the south of France, hanging out with Nas and LCD sound system, getting a tattoo, being paid to wear a romp him and drinking alcohol all over the world while getting fed cheese and bread all over the coast of France. I could not be more proud of a man I've known for the last 10 years. He has come a long way from being an intern at a radio station, I will tell you that. And also bailing on his first three pop break assignments, which I will never let him live down. Um, so joining me this week, of course, is our resident guest. And it, just spoilers, anytime we talk about Star Wars, she will be on this podcast for years to come, as long as she wants to be here. She is the general manager of Thunder Rosa's Mission Pro Wrestling. She is also one of our favorite cosplayers, Amanda Rivas. It is an emotional, it's emotional end to this one, to Sith Happens. Um, I can see you still have your, your tissues, your eyes are still red from last night. I hope you are handling everything quite well. I am handling it as well as I can. I mean, it was a really just, and we'll talk about it, just well done, emotional roller coaster, and I loved it. And of course, I will be, I anytime you talk Star Wars or any, anytime you want me, I am happy to be here. So it is, it is an honor. It is a privilege. You guys are the best. I love that I can nerd out with everybody. Um, this has been an amazing experience. I am super sad that it is over. Um, but again, I appreciate being here and chatting all things Star Wars. Uh, speaking of people who are miserable, he is uh, the number one Washington Commanders fan, which is like saying he's just sad all the time and not in some sort of retro, cool, emo sort of way where he puts on eyeliner, puts his hair over one eye and there's like that kid and uh, turning red that 
uh, Malin Lee kind of has a thing for that looks like my best friend's cousin. No, no, no. He is just sad because he just likes a football team that can't get out of its own way. And this is coming from a New York Giants fan. Um, he is currently the author of an unpublished because I'm an asshole uh, uh, episode five review that I totally missed, but will run in conjunction as a two part review real soon. I'm really sorry. Uh, ben Murkison, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thank you very, very much. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just going to drink this delicious uh, galaxy beer here that I have and not keep it too far, far away from me. Oh, I mean, knowing you, knowing you, you, you definitely should. This is your your scroll is very sad and very slow. Uh, and of course, joining us, we you first heard him on the podcast uh, talking about the House Arrakis. Uh, I probably uh, said that wrong, but I don't care. Uh, he was also our resident guest on our Hawkeye podcast, he is kicking down the forbidden door, throwing coins in the air like the rainmaker that he is. Of course, he is a senior writer and editor for thepopbreak.com. He is the music, nope, sorry, he is the television and film writer for Substream Magazine, as well as a photographer. And you could find his journalistic works all over the internet. He is the golden star for Johnny Rawls, the forbidden door himself. How are you doing, sir? Uh, hello there. Um, it's good to be back uh, talking about some Star Wars, even though uh, it felt that Kenobi was far too short. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to be here. I would also like to know that Marjani's British accent was better than anything we did <laughs> in our Moon Knight review series, which was the most annoying part of that series, but also my favorite part of that series. So, Latest Gators, huh? Oh, latest Gators. <laughs> I see, I did it. It's awful. It's the worst. Uh, but guys, we are here talking about part uh, part six of Kenobi, the finale. And let's get to uh, my least favorite part of the podcast, where I read the oddly worded Wikipedia entry in a segment we like to call... What's the story, Obi-Wan Kenobi, a segment I named after an Oasis song for Al, who's a dick and didn't get the joke. So I hope he listens to that on the plane. So let's get to it. All right. This is part six, direct, uh, directed by Deborah Chow, the story by Stuart Beatty, Joby Harold, and Andrew Stanton, names some of you might know, um, and the teleplay by Joby Harold, Andrew Stanton, and Haseen Amini. Riva arrives on Tatooine to locate Luke, while Vader pursues Kenobi and the path in his Star Destroyer. Kenobi separates from the group so the path can escape after realizing Vader is only after him. He goes to a nearby planet to confront Vader alone. After an intense lightsaber and force duel, Kenobi is able to incapacitate him by damaging Vader's helmet and breathing device. Realizing that Anakin has embraced his identity as Vader and that his former friend is truly dead, Kenobi leaves. Meanwhile, Riva arrives at Luke's home and confronts Owen and Beru. After subduing them, she pursues Luke into the desert, but eventually returns him to his family after remembering Anakin's massacre of the Jedi Temple. Liberated from the dark side, Kenobi congratulates her for overcoming her trauma from the past. On Mustafar, a healed Vader abandons his search for Kenobi after his master, Emperor Palpatine, questions his motives and loyalty. Back on Alderaan, Leia has found new resolve in her duties as a princess. 
Kenobi visits then of them and affirms he will help the Organas when needed and bids Leia farewell. Returning to Tatooine, he resolves his conflict with Owen by agreeing to let Luke have a regular childhood. Owen allows Ben to meet Luke, and he greets the boy with his familiar, Hello there, before venturing into the desert. Having found inner peace, he is finally able to see and converse with the force ghost of his old master, Qui-Gon Jinn. But one thing about that Wikipedia entry, guys, that um, I don't believe is true, is that Vader has given up his search for Kenobi. Uh, did anyone... Am I the only one who thought he was just paying lip service to old wrinkly face, his boss? Or did you really feel that, you know, he's done? He's like, let's go. Let's go hunt some rebels. Uh, Marjani, uh, what do you think? With the, well, with the finale, I always knew that there was going to be one more fight. There's going to be one more fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. But what's interesting about this fight I thought it was more so Obi-Wan versus Anakin. This was the last bastion of Anakin coming through and it showed like the war between the light side and dark side that was still inside him. And if Obi-Wan brings that out of him, I, what is interesting about Kenobi as a whole is that we see Vader in a very powerful state, but also he's not as terrifying as he becomes later in the road. So when the emperor is telling, you know, talking to him and um, saying that, like, you know, he got you a little agitated and, you know, if you can't leave the past, I think that I took that scene as Anakin fully dying and Darth Vader becoming full Darth Vader. The reason why Darth Vader, like in the comics and canon, is why he becomes so powerful is because when he fights, he's more tempered. He's uh, more tuned in. He's not fighting with the emotion that Anakin does. So I don't think that he was really necessarily given kind of lip service. I think that he was really kind of embracing the quote unquote monster that he he is now. Um, Amanda, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Do you think Vader... Uh, has given up his pursuit of Obi-Wan? I don't think he's completely given up. I think it's it's always going to, it always was kind of in the back of his mind. I think it, it was just kind of there because he was being humiliated twice, you know, and and I feel like there's always some part of him that even though he, he does fully embrace Vader and I think the priorities changed, um, you know, he, you know, I feel like he is, um and I, I agree with Marjani fully embracing the role of Vader and that's a priority, but I think in the back, you still have that personal want and it's that I am, he called it out. He's like, I'm going to destroy you. And I mean, this is the guy who, even though as much as we love Kenobi, pretty much maimed Anakin Skywalker and left him burning. There's some, and again, just did it all over again, you know, you know, not, not necessarily left him burning, but humiliated Vader in a way. Um, and kind of just and tried to take him out, couldn't finish him off, you know. And I think, I think to an extent, Vader's going to hold on to that. Um, but again, will it be a forefront priority type of thing? No. But I, I, but I feel like he hasn't necessarily given up. It's just now it's the full role of Vader that's going to take priority. But there's that little part that's always going to, that's that's always going to want to chase Kenobi. Well, Ben, what are your thoughts? 
I mean, I, I take it at face value when he's, you know, telling the emperor essentially that they're going to destroy everything looking for him. Um, I just kind of interpreted it as it's not going to be an easy thing for him to find him again. And my assumption would be that he doesn't find him again until the new hope, you know, when they cross paths. Uh, I think that was probably the last time that they'll actually see each other. I did want to, it was funny with uh, the line um, that he has when he's fighting Obi-Wan, like that is why you will always lose. And like you guys were talking about, it. it's like, well, I mean, if you check the scorecard, you know, he's, <laughs> He's basically up 2-1 right now. You know, it's going to finish at 2-2, but he really throws the fourth one. You know, he uh, he takes a dive in the fourth fight. So I don't think he has any room to be talking crap. So I I feel like what uh, also, I think what you were talking about, Marjani, was like how he's like fully embraced this. I go back to the uh, the the uh, Return of the Jedi line with Palpatine's like, yes. Let the hate flow through you. And I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, he's just going to let what makes Vader even more powerful is that Obi-Wan embarrassed him. He's not allowed to do this, to go, you know, burn the world to find this guy. He knows it's not the responsible thing to do, but it's still going to burn him up. So what he's going to do is just channel that into um, murdering everyone else. Uh, And I think that's what it's going to be. He's going to channel that hate into into destroying his enemies because I feel like even though we haven't can put the connective tissue there yet, you know, Andor is tech the sequel to this technically. So it's now going to be, but even though it is a little bit down the line, it's like there's the rebel, this the path is the rebel alliance. We now have resistance and also there's resistance from within the Senate. We now have to make our strong. Our we now have to put our uh, death, our chokehold has to be even stronger, and I think that's what we're going to be seeing there. Um, that's my opinion, but I okay. So I wanted to say it because I was just like I didn't think it was as explicit as Wikipedia made it out. Although you know, Wikipedia guys, come on, sometimes <laughs> they're not right. Uh, but let's get into. Um, normally, this is the scene where we talk. These the segment, I should say, where we talk about our favorite performance. But what I would really like to do is. I want to break down the two big scenes in this episode because these are the most important ones. Of course, I'm talking most importantly about the lightsaber battle between Anakin, uh, the former Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. What I wanted you guys to talk about is what you what you loved about this, but also was there anything that bothered you about this? And I'll give you the one thing that bothered me about this. It's a wonderful scene, but when he buries him in the rocks, there is a moment where he could have said, now I have the high ground. It was right there. And I'm just like, and it would have been the coldest. I I mean, it could have been corny, but it could have been the coldest (laughs) scene where he just is like, now I I have the high ground. This is I'm not just also just like he's the more powerful one. He's the master now. I'm the captain now, essentially. It's 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 Captain Phillips now. So he's 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 he is no longer the student, he is the, the master. And I think that was a, a, a moment that Darth Vader, god damn it, you had it right there and you could have said it, but you didn't. Um, and I bet that line was written in at one point in the script. But jokes aside, although that's not really a joke, that is my complaint. Um, I want you guys to talk about what didn't work in this, but what ultimately that you loved about it. So, man, I'm going to start with you, our, our resident Star Wars head. Like, what is it that you loved that was that was about this this battle between these two that you loved? Take us through your emotions of all of it. Because I know- Oh, gosh. 
There was so much I loved about it. First of all, can we talk about how awesome it was to see Form 3, the way of the Minot, come back? Um, and kind of, and Suretsu, this, the, the, the fighting style that Kenobi embraces. I never, it never gets old to me. Uh, just seeing him just assume his whole, the whole fighting stance, everything. And that stance is, it's a really cool, it's a really cool history. I mean, that's, that's kind of a purely defensive, uh, defensive stance. It was made for fighting off blaster fire and ranged weaponry, but yet, you know, the defense is so tight. So even just seeing Kenobi slide back into his old fighting mode, and even though he was kind of rusty at first, and there were, op- there were parts where I was, and probably my number one complaint, but again, that's, I don't know. Bill took mine. <laughs> I just said the same thing. I was like, oh, my, my, um, I was like, man, if only he had said something about having the high ground, that would have been great. But I think the other part of it was even though Kenobi slid back into form three and it looked awesome and it, it, you know, kind of seeing him get back into the clone wars mode or prequel mode with this fighting style, there were moments where he was wide open wide open and Vader could have just like taken him out. And I'm here like, if I were choreographing that, I probably would pull that a little tighter because there were were a couple of really obvious openings and I'm like, Ooh, (laughs) but that's me nitpicky on the, on the actual lightsaber technique. But it, it, it was so cool seeing him slide back into that and just the, the exchange, um, you know, and just the exchange that they have where Vader's voice does the crossover with Anakin's voice that made me cry that made me cry because the smirk he has when he tells Obi-Wan you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker I did I was like I I can't right now and just seeing Ewan McGregor's face like his eyes just well up that moment just made me just made my heart stop because you just that was so well done with the vocal patterns just it, it really hits you like a just in the, the gut and and really solidified the point of why Obi-Wan or Ben Kenobi and A New Hope and Return to the Jedi and whatnot, why there was such a push to have Luke defeat Vader, that there was no good left in him. And truly just how he how it was such, such a final thing to tell Luke, you need to fight your dad. This just wrapped that up beautifully. So that was probably my favorite moment. And then even the little nod to Rebels was cool. Um, I really loved the nod to the Twilight of the Apprentice battle between Ahsoka and Vader in Rebels. It's one of my favorite lightsaber scenes, but just the helmet being cut off, that is straight up from Rebels as well. Same kind of thing happens where you see half of, you see Anakin's face, it's like a little disfigured and it's got, he's got the Sith eyes going. And I, I want to say he even says the same line to Ahsoka, where she's kind of calling out to him the same way, you know, like master, you know, um, Anakin. And he just, he says the same thing. He tells, he tells Obi-Wan words, then you will die. Very similar, but just that same moment um, was really cool to see mirrored and just the impact that scene had. That was again, my favorite scene in the whole, uh, even as much as I love Qui-Gon, I do. That, that made me happy too, but we were not there yet. But um, that scene was just so beautifully done and the contrast and the colors, I mean, it was beautifully filmed. There's just so much I loved about the scene. I was here ready for, I actually kind of got upset when it jumped to Reva and Luke. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, even though that was a cool moment. But I was like, man, cause you just, the visuals, the emotion, the, the, the moment, 
you know, it, this is, this is like, now it's one of my favorite light, lightsaber battles. One of my favorite in my, in my whole Star Wars rankings. I, I loved it. Uh, ben, what about you? Talk, take us through this scene, this iconic fight. Well, because like, think about it. We, we've had, this is the first time we'll see Vader and Kenobi in a full-fledged fight. I mean, you get, Obi-Wan is, listen, he's on the back nine. He's not exactly, he's not exactly in his prime fighting him when we first see them fight. Take me through what you liked about this fight and what you didn't like about this fight. Well, I mean, there's nothing that looks cooler in the world than, you know, lightsabers fighting at nighttime, like just in darkness. Like that's going to look badass no matter what. So I'm impressed that Amanda was even able to like focus on the choreography of it. I'm just like colors like, oh, it's so pretty. (laughs) He's a commander's fan, people. A little. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. Very easily impressed. Hey, (laughs) I'm just going to clap for that. Uh, But I mean, the. So choreography wise, no, no, uh, I've seen better lightsaber battles like in the you know the prequels, but um, this one was obviously the best of, of this particular series. And that was fun. I was I was probably more focused on, you know, the dialogue aspect of things. And I mean, you uh, McGregor, you know, is Obi-Wan in this particular instance, like Amanda was speaking to, um, you know, the way he's able to deliver those lines with just so much emotion and, you know, tears in his eyes. Uh, it really, really felt like a genuine buildup of their relationship that they've had you know, through, you know, shows that I had not watched before, like Clone Wars, but also like the prequels and whatnot, um, you know, kind of culminating and, and coming to an end, like their relationship is actually officially ending in this particular moment. And that was really powerful. Um, the line specifically uh, where he, you know, says then my friend is truly dead, harkens back to Return of the Jedi, where Luke had said, well, then my father is truly dead. And I I blew away a little bit. What was it? I popped on that one, as you guys would say. Thanks, the rest so I appreciate it. I, uh, <laughs> that's my first usage of that ever. So don't judge me, but oh, I, yeah, I, I did. I have more of that instance. Thank you. So that was, that was amazing, you know, to me. Um, stuff that I didn't like also is going to come more from the dialogue aspect of things. Like, so kind of a question maybe for Amanda, the resident expert. There's something about becoming a Sith, just like you lose your ability to have conversation, you know, because <laughs> yeah, Count Dooku always seemed pretty eloquent, like regardless. But I feel like with Vader, anytime he's in the mask, it's basically like a toy. You're just like pulling the string and like one of three phrases is going to come out. So like in this, he starts with, have you come to destroy me? It's like, did you really think you could defeat me? It's like, you know, pull the cord again. I just I would have liked to have seen something. A little bit more conversational, uh, you know, for Kenobi, if he's actually trying to appeal to him in any sense, uh, you know, go full, go full, like goodwill hunting on him. Like, uh, talk <laughs> about like Patty, like it's not your fault. You know, it's something, man. Like, it's not your fault. Peter just cries on him. Yeah, but like, a, no. Violent male hug. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I just want something like try to actually reason in some capacity if you can. But there's no real dialogue. It's just like, did you come to, you know, uh, destroy me? And he's, you know, pull Obi-Wan's cord. He's like, I'll do what I must, because that's the only thing he says in those scenarios. So I, I just would like to have seen a little bit better dialogue. Maybe not always the strong suit of Star Wars, but I thought that there was a moment where something, you know, could have appealed a little bit more, you know, appealed to his senses. Or Johnny, how about you? Like, walk me through your thoughts. Oh, man. Um, I, I thought the scene was beautiful. And I think that it tied in a lot of themes throughout not only throughout the series but throughout star wars canon um because that the episode begins with you know obi-wan 
basically sacrificing himself and speaking to um, Qui-Gon saying, like, one of us will die. And you find you figure out that, like, there's a metaphorical death happening here uh, throughout the fight scenes in this series. You know, you see Obi-Wan very defensive, very kind of fraught and fighting Darth Vader and him overpowering himself. Then you see the the flashback where, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin have that fight where Anakin is just fighting off pure emotion and Obi-Wan's teaching him is like, as long as you have something to prove or as long as you're fighting to win, you'll always be a Padawan. You'll always have something to lose. Um, and it's and this fight is in the culmination of all that. I Just like uh, Amanda said, like the lighting uh, between the helmets, the blue light, and then when Anakin... Uh, becomes Darth Vader in that moment with the Sith eye and the red. That was beautiful symbolism there. Uh, the dialogue where Obi-Wan says, you know, I'm sorry, Anakin, for all of it. Now, it goes back to their first fight where uh, Darth Vader says, like, I am what you made me. And then Anakin, well, in this moment, I feel... I feel that he gives Obi-Wan a little bit of mercy when he says, you know, like, you didn't kill Anakin, I did. And at, at that point, it's not, not necessarily that he's good, but he frees Obi-Wan from the burden that he was carrying all series because Obi-Wan felt that he was responsible for him. He failed him. He, you know, that fight on Mustafar you know, he severs his limbs and, you know, he left him open for, you know, Senator Palpatine or Darth Sidious to get inside his head. So that last moment where he says goodbye, Darth, was heartbreaking, was so heartbreaking because you, because you realize at that moment that Anna, like, Anakin's gone, man, like Anakin is too far gone. Uh, it's, uh, you know, even though Anakin, you know, killed Padawans and all the things. It was all because, you know, he wanted to save Padme. And yeah, I just think that this was just a real, like, a really good scene, emotional dialogue. I do wish that he, he, he would have said, I have the high ground or something like that, like something a little snarky because I thought that was kind of cool. But just the themes and the brotherhood that gets severed here, because like, you know, um, the first time that Obi-Wan speaks to Luke in A New Hope, he speaks of Darth, like Darth Vader killed your father. Yeah. So that he doesn't re he doesn't like reference Anakin, you know, Anakin's in the past tense. So, and yes, Justin, justice for Hayden Christensen, the, the, the voice back and forth between him and James Earl Jones, it beautifully done. Yeah. For me, the first thing that stood out is when the moment where they start walking towards each other or when Obi-Wan is walking towards Vader and we have this moonlit sky and they're in these shadows and they later play that up on Tatooine as well, I think is some of the best shots in this series and of recent Star Wars memory. And I think this series has had 
a lot of really dramatic shots, especially episode two, when they're just essentially in Blade Runner. And it's amazing. It's just like one of the most fascinating sets, set pieces or world pieces they've done in a Star Wars uh, series in a while. But here, the starkness of it, I felt played beautifully and everything is done uh, juxtaposing the episode three fight where everything is done in the darkness, where this is just a little bit on a more even playing field and Obi-Wan is attacking. And I think one of my favorite parts is Obi-Wan taking the butt end of the saber and busting it into chess piece, which is like one is sort of a merciful thing to do because he could have just easily run him through but also he's stopping him from breathing properly as well. So there is malicious intent there. But what I find fascinating is neither one of them really wanted to go for the kill. He, he, um, very, you know, Darth Vader buries, you know, a lot of rock usage in this. It's a very guardians of the galaxy volume too. Uh, and they, you know, he buries Obi-Wan and misses his line, but he buries Obi-Wan under a bunch of rocks. Well, why didn't he just kill him? Obi-Wan could have run him through, but he didn't, you know, he stops a lot. He misses the kill shots. Like, Mandy, you said that too. There was a lot of shots. Like they didn't want to kill the other. And that's the fascinating thing that Vader could have and multiple times and Obi-Wan could have multiple times. They never do. And I think like everyone has kind of said that scene where he's half the face and he's saying that uh, Anakin, you know, I killed Anakin. That's the actual death. That is the, that is the moment of death for everybody. And that's the more important scene than someone getting cut open, you know, run through with a lightsaber. Like, we know they can't kill each other because, you know, that ruins a movie that's almost 50 years old that literally launched this entire universe. Um, but that's more impactful that they didn't do that. I, but my favorite thing is literally that the, 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 the shot composition was amazing, but also that using the other end of the saber, which we've never seen done in Star Wars in the live action universe. And just destroying Vader's chest piece, I think was it was it was crazy because you're also hearing him like struggle to breathe, and this is the first time we see a weakness in Vader in this series, um, which I think is really cool. But it's also the kind of the hubristic part of both of them. Like you could have ended this, guys, but you didn't, and because of your mistake, Obi, your decision, Obi Wan Kenobi. Hundreds, if not thousands of people will die because of this. And that's like something that's just like, you you could have done this. Blood is on your hands, much like Reva said to him. Like, blood is on your hands. You weren't there to save us. Yeah. Oh, well, you, you, bring were- up, you bring up a good point, Bill, for sure, because it's yeah. kind of harkening back to the Clone Wars episodes with Obi-Wan. He always has a little bit of, little bit of hubris in those episodes and even in the prequels. So that's a really good point. Let's now let's move on to the other big action set piece where we go to Tatooine and um, Riva is on the hunt for Luke Skywalker and we see <laughs> Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen break out the heavy artillery and say, we're going to defend this homestead. Uh, let's break all this down. Oh, since I went last, I'll go first year. That is, I was very surprised um, that Aunt Beru, who has just always been portrayed as a suburban mom essentially who is a saint uh, who is sadly 
murdered and flambéed in the first series and in the first movie and is a very frightening and horrific scene especially if you're a little kid watching this a flaming skeleton unseen it's pretty dark for a movie that's you know still rated pg um she's the one who says no we're gonna stand and fight and we're just going to shoot guns at this inquisitor who's coming to get luke i love that part that this character who's just been a wallflower who's just been along for the ride makes the stand and takes crusty uncle and sassy uncle owen because we can't forget the sassiness of uncle owen uh and they makes them have a stand and i think that was one of my favorite parts of that whole scene is that they they fight for luke instead of fighting against luke because that's basically and fighting against obi-wan that's what all we've seen them do and then of course I am not going to talk about the Reva scene because I'm going to talk about what I thought was going to happen in the Reva scene. I'm like, there is no way that Obi-Wan is going to make it back. Somehow he did. He has the best light speed in the history of light speed. And I'm like, this is where someone else is going to show up. And I thought like, oh, this is where Ahsoka shows up. She stops Reva. And this is how we tie into, you know, Ahsoka Tano, the series. And I'm like, because I've just watched every marvel movies so everything has to tie into something um and that was the surprising thing that we didn't get that and we have no tie into anything so that was the part where i was left like oh that was a definite choice and i think i actually like that choice a lot better that we didn't get this dax machina of this character we have to promote for another show saves the day so ben i'm gonna start with you first um take us through the uh the Tatooine uh, fight here and the, you know, Reva's decision, your thoughts on what worked and what didn't. Well, when you talk about, uh, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi getting the fastest light speed and showing up, I mean, we've got Reva, which first of all, we've already established that it really wouldn't have mattered if either Obi-Wan or Darth Vader like stabbed each other in the chest with the lightsaber, because it's easy to survive a gut shot with the lightsaber. Everybody can do it. It's not a big deal. Unless Just, your name is Qui-Gon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was like, about if you watch Our Flag Means Death, you just move to the left and you make all this, like the organs aren't there. I have seen that. And I, I made that connection in the moment too. I was like. They, they know. It's it's a, uni- it's a univer- it's universal knowledge now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all under Disney, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, it's actually HBO. But, okay. but I mean, the director. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you said, with, uh, with Aunt Peru, like that was cool. I did love the fact that she was able to basically say you know we don't need to bring anybody else into this we're enough like man up that was cool uh i did appreciate getting to see them in that capacity because they've never really gotten you know any play any action so um i'm I'm glad that they got to do it i just if uh you know if you read my review of the last episode when it publishes uh i the one thing i didn't really want to have happen was was this like reva redemption arc i felt very strongly like Moses Ingram's fantastic and she's probably one of the best parts of the show or easily is one of the best parts of the show but I thought it would have been more powerful if if her story had ended in five um you know kind of attempting to you know complete her mission and and kill Vader and I just didn't really buy the whole reason for why she's there um I mean you've got you've got Reva who's a really ruthless villain main antagonist of the story basically um but this is the same person that was going to torture like a 10 year old girl for information a couple of days ago. And then you're going to try to get revenge um, for Vader murdering all of your friends by 
checks notes, uh, helping him, <laughs> you know, hunt down for sensitive people, you know, women and children and uh, men and unslaughter them. Uh, so it didn't really make sense, like her whole like redemption arc piece or what her like strategy was. And it's on par with the logic of this episode, you know, bringing him to the fight, which is basically like, I don't know if her mentality is Vader kicked my ass uh, and left me for dead again. So I'm going to show him by, you know, trying to go kill the son that he doesn't even know exists. Uh, I'm not sure why she really, you know, took this on. I think she did that. I mean, I'm in jumping in. I think she did that to hurt Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan used her. She saw Jimmy Smith's come on and say, Hey, um, I'm giving away where Luke is right now. Uh, and she's like, you know what? You're supposed to protect him. I'm going to murder him just to show you this is justice for me because you use me in your game against Vader. When I, when she was trying to avenge, um, avenge the deaths of her friends, but also she, it wasn't a very moral, awesome road she took by just, you know, you know what I'm going to do on a murder, a whole bunch of people to get back a guy for murdering people. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's a giant leap there that doesn't really compute in the overall thing. Uh, so yeah, I mean it was it was weird for me. Like I it was entertaining to watch them kind of go at each other, but then the whole, you know, A, she's still, I guess, recovering from this injury that she had, but she's able to, you know, run and, and go do all this stuff. And it gets to the point, it just doesn't feel like it should have taken that long for her to have like the epiphany of, oh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, murder a kid. So it 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 felt weird, like at that point. So I the whole redemption arc for her character, and I, I know they're probably gonna want, want to use it, you know, moving forward in other series, but uh, that just seemed a little forced, especially over like what were pretty short episodes and only like six episodes long. I would have need to see more storyline, I guess, to get to that point. Absolutely. Majani, your thoughts on uh, the uh, the Tales from Tatooine? I just think back, uh, I think from the line from the Grand Inquisitor of try to do the accent. I don't know, he's like, revenge Hello. does. Yeah, revenge <laughs> does wonders for the will to live. Don't you think? <laughs> He's the, he's the weirdest part of this show, and I love it so much because he's he's complete. The Grand Inquisitor is in a completely different movie or show. From else. He's, the Jedi Order is like an itch. Like yeah, it's he's essentially yeah. just like I'm just trying to you know get into a, a you know a road show of spam a lot. But he's like just like oh you know I didn't get to use my accent on Homeland, and you're like it's okay you shouldn't have, but you know. There we go. I, I said well, the, I, the, the meme earlier. Sorry, just the uh, it was like if only Padme had been like really mad and wanted revenge, she wouldn't have died like of a broken heart. <laughs> there's also one. Uh, there's a gift where it's like someone you know how pissed he is when he's just like, no, we're gonna we're gonna go after this, and he kind of just like rolls his eyes and says, "All right, this is a terrible plan." Um, I would have loved to seen him just have a little catty conversation with Darth Vader. That would have been really great. But anyway, I'm really derailing the podcast as always. Well, um, he kind of well he kind of does in the beginning where he's like, uh, "Why are you focused on this one Jedi? We have the rebellion right in front of us. We should probably follow them." He's like, and, and you know, Darth's like, "No, I, you know, I have to go after Obi Wan or something like that." But um, not much for the words. Just pull the string. yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, Darth is like, "No," he's like. <laughs> And he like off screen. Ice Cube Junior is right there (laughs) for the plucking. We get it. We get it. And then off screen, like he like rolls his eyes. He's like, okay, whatever. Uh, We'll go for it, Obi. But yeah, I'm thinking of back to like the first part of the finale when 
Obi-Wan is talking to Roken and he's saying that like, you know, for 10 years, you guys stepped up for the Jedi. And when I hear, when I heard Baru talk to uncle Owen, like uncle Owen's like, no, we got to get out of here. Like Baru's like, now get your gun and then we'll take positions. Like we're going to defend this. I I thought that it it was nicely wrapped up into that where uh, even though the Jedi are, have been killed off or, or in hiding, um, the the rebellion or the regular people ha- are standing up against the empire. I thought that was beautifully done. <laughs> so, I mean, with with Reva, oh man, I think that was her redemption arc was kind of telegraphed throughout the series. Like it was that you know we kind of knew that she was one of the Padawan that in the beginning that tried to escape Order sixty six. And that Anakin, through his rampage, he spared her. And if you listen to the Grand Inquisitor, they got her from the gutter and brought her into things. And like Ben said, I think that no, like <clears throat> Mason's performance is well done. But I knew that they had the rope Luke back in somehow. Like there was a lot of Leia focus. And the actress is phenomenal for yes. Leia, by the way. Mm-hmm. So they had to rope Tatooine and everything back somehow. Um, as far as the emotional beats in this episode, Reva's kind of um, like reformation arc didn't hit as well to me because I knew it was coming. Um, I, I thought that especially when she talks to Obi-Wan, uh, basically her choosing and it was it was funny because it was like what kind of like the uh, the latest three movies about choice and um, Ray choosing to be a Skywalker that kind of loses like she chooses to like not follow the Sith order anymore <laughs> with her making that choice and Obi-Wan kind of letting go of his friend it's both of them uh, being released of the hold that Vader has on them, even though it's a little puzzling. Where like, didn't Vader just try to attempt to kill you, and you're going to do his bidding anyway uh, to kill Luke? Uh, you can interpret it as that as like their choices and saying that like you're free now is basically ridding you know uh, Obi Wan ridding the guilt of losing Anakin. And basically, uh, Reva letting go of the grudge that she has to kill Anakin basically on what happened to her friends when she was younger. That's kind of how I interpreted it. Even though it's a little wonky, like that's, I'm like, oh, okay, that I, you know, that could work. I did want to jump in real quick just to the, the, uh, maybe the overall issue with, with that particular sequence that we're talking about is that we know like nothing bad is going to happen to Luke. So there's really no, there's yeah, no there, which is kind of like an over right. in the whole of like the show. There's really there's no stakes to the show in general anyway, because we know nothing happens to any of these characters. Like Darth Vader's fine, Obi Wan's fine, Luke, Leia, Uncle Owen, Amaru, like all these people were fine. So it was really it's a hard thing for the show even to do in the first place is to add stakes. Um, to although, and I'll jump in, Ben too. I'm hearing rumors that Reba might get her own show. So I don't know. I've heard that. I've seen that floating around. I mean, I've seen more Vader here lately that Hayden, they might explore that, but I can see 
maybe why her angle was a little wonky if she is getting her own show. Because then I feel like they would address or fill in some of the gaps. They definitely left like runway for that for her yes. to get a, a spinoff. Ben, I'm going to table your your stakes point to after Amanda's done because that's a very interesting point that you bring up about the show in general. So, um, good job, good job. You've you've been more successful than your football team will be this year. That's not hard to do. Listen, it's all he knows. I'm a, I, I'm I a, Giants, I'm a Giants, Giants fan. I mean, <laughs> I've accepted my fate for the next five years. I've also won. You know, I've also been a fan of for four Super Bowl wins. I mean, you know, anyway, in my lifetime, I'm just saying. Uh, you know, Amanda, uh, <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on the this whole uh, saga on Tatooine? Well, just to kind of echo everybody else in terms of of Amperu and Uncle Owen, that I like that they got flushed out more, yeah. other than just what you see, and it kind of I think brings some perspective of what you see in like a New Hope, and kind of why they are the way that they are. Like everything's, you know, with, with what's happened with Riva, it's like, you know, I can see why they're as adamant. They're, they're pretty much like, Luke, you need to stay here. I mean, knowing that this happened when he was little, it's like his life is in danger already. So it almost, I think almost solidifies why they are so uptight in, in the new hope. Um, but really enjoyed that. Um, so what I, I did like, that at least that we got a wrap up of, of Riva in a way, like it wasn't, I wasn't as crazy about it, but at the same time, it wasn't overly campy. It could have been worse, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, and she acted the heck out of that. I mean, she did the, Moses did the best she could with the content she was given. Um, I don't know if it would have been better if they had left that as a separate fight scene or separate whole scene instead of weaving it in and out of Vader and Kenobi's fight. I don't know if it would have been any more impactful. Um, but I almost feel like, you know, she went after Luke to get to get at both Vader and Obi-Wan because she she was pulled in. We all know in the last episode she was pulled in as a pawn and she was used and humiliated by both in a, in a way, you know. Um, so I could I could see that being uh, a valid point. But my question is, too, how did she get off the planet? No shit. That right? was a, that was probably yeah. my only that along with Obi Wan's miraculous, you know, appearance with the best, you know, hyperdrive in the galaxy apparently ever. for a dropship ever. Well, and I'm like, she looks pretty severely injured. So I'm like, how is she even, especially on a planet where it's you have two suns, you're going to dehydrate. You know, you're already injured. You looked pretty bad off. You left on the ground the last oh, episode. I know. I know how. Uh, so they, there, I believe there were two ships that brought troops down, and they oh. murdered everyone. They pretty much killed it's off true. most of the stormtroopers. About that ship. So there's probably another ship just hanging about. Um, That's a good point. But how does she drag herself to the ship if she's that bad off? It doesn't look like there's any med kits like around somewhere or anything. I, I think there may be okay. So this is this may be a little far fetched, but I think there's a can- like she had bad gas. Um, yeah, uh, especially because Uncle Owen like grabs at the wound. Uh, yeah. But I think there's a Sith canon answer for that because the Sith like Sith lords can endure injury, and they use but, like the hate and things to try to like to not heal them. Not a like Sith, power through, she's, still, a, she's a force user. Yeah, though, she's like a, a force. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's my that question. Makes sense, yeah, that's my question because like I'm like, well, how the hell? Because I know well, the Grand Inquisitor says that line, but I'm like, well, like we also never explained how he came back. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He has two stomachs, though. Oh, that's right. He has two, yeah, he has two stomachs, but it's just like, right. okay, well, like, she got to the ship, she didn't right. bleed out, and still, well, like, was able to chase Luke through Tatooine, yeah, and fight, like, Uncle he, Owen, and it, it's, yeah. As long as you're well, pissed off, you can do anything. You're not going to die. As long true. as you're still trying it's to get the, revenge. I've seen Die I, Hard. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> essentially true. John McClane syndrome. Pretty much. See, I would have actually been okay if she died. That's what after, I thought That's what I thought was going to happen. Because you would think, after getting on the ship, having the severe injury, trying to walk around, you're still in the sun, you get hit. You know, uh, you would think that she would die. She sounded at least like she was getting weaker. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I actually would have been okay if her character died off. Like, she she did this noble deed. She died. We're good. You know, I ish. ish. Her noble deed was not killing a child. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, you know. I mean, well, if I they're going to wrap her arc up. Yeah. Yeah. Sidious yeah. like uses the force to augment his physical abilities and can right. but then again, Sidious is probably the most powerful Jedi in the galaxy. So it's not it's not Rafa. So yeah, that I was like, okay, this takes a yeah. little suspension of disbelief to believe. Everybody keeps I mean, that's a really good left point, though. It's everybody yeah. gets left for dead. If anybody knows, don't leave people for dead. It's like Anakin Skywalker. You probably shouldn't leave for dead. You probably yeah. should. Or <laughs> should the other thing. I just wondered the other thing I would have been okay with is if the Grand Inquisitor came up and killed her. Yeah. Especially with the revenge line. Like, yeah, it would have been a payoff. So that's what I was looking kind of terrible. I shouldn't say looking forward to, but I was like, that would have been a full, like, you know, it's like, you stab me. Ha ha. You know, or the, 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 the other Inquisitor who just basically hated her guts. There's like, Two other ones that really don't matter, like at no, all. No, he was always like, "Hello, yeah, I'm the fifth, not, yeah, the fifth, I'm not Benedict. Yes, I want to murder you." And the like, fifth, yeah, the fifth brother, and the Sith are backbiting anyway. They like yeah. Sidious worries about Darth Vader overtaking yeah. him, and, and yeah, and the rule of two always. So it would have, yeah, I agree with everybody that that would have worked better if you know. Yeah, that would have been. I I think that would have been a neater way to wrap up because I felt like again they 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 tried to rush it in a way because it's six episodes. Um, but then I feel like they had to try to leave again with the rumors of her getting her own show. They had to leave that wiggle room and you know yet try to write her out of the main story somehow. I just I, I felt like that was that was clunky. Although I did I did tear up a little bit when she got emotional because I was like that's just the power of Moses' acting. Yeah, like you were like in that moment, she was powerful, and that actually made me tear up. There's no reason to feel just, bad for her as a character, but her no, portrays. But her as an actress, though, I was like, man, she is hit me. Like I was sitting there, like I'm appreciating this so much, I'm starting to cry because I was like, she didn't have the best, the best content to work with on her character, but she nailed it. And I was like, man, I'm like happy tears because you're just awesome, and I love you even more um, because you just elevated you did your best to elevate this character the performance just it, it, she was too good for Riva I guess if that makes sense yeah that's why I thought it would have been better if, if they let her get killed off in five like failing like in her 
you know, mission or whatever would have been like a sadder in for arc, but like more memorable. And then they could have had one of the uh, useless inquisitors come do the whole thing on Tatooine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. But let's Ben brought up an interesting point. He said, this is a, a show that really lacks stakes because we know that both Skywalkers don't get tired. They they're not going to get killed off in this. Um, Obi-Wan is really never in peril because we know he's going to be there. So Darth Vader, all these characters. And then we, we get Reva who at times felt like a bit of an underwritten character. And we just, you know, talked about how, uh, how that just didn't work out for us. And, you know, you have these other inquisitors who are just kind of there. So did you guys feel that this was a kind of low stakes, non-stakes, whatever, you know, over burnt stakes type of show no offense to any anakin skywalker fans <laughs> out there with the burnt reference uh, i just realized that now uh it would be more burnt ends i guess but um that's even worse uh was it <laughs> is the stakes in this was that was it something that bothered you did you feel like there were stakes here or is it just like this was just a show uh, so ben you've kind of already said you feel this is no stakes did that detract from your overall experience with the show I mean, I can still, you know, appreciate the show, but I, I do think that, like, you know, worst case scenario, you're going to lose some secondary characters that were introduced to you literally, like, episodes ago. I mean, these are, and again, they're short episodes. They're, like, 40 minutes, 38 minutes, whatever type stuff. So, I mean, the only the only death that occurred throughout the whole thing that, like, I even cared about was, uh, you know, it was, like, Tala's character, like that, yeah. and, her, and her droid. Uh, that was that was it hurt me. I know, like that was <laughs> emotional. I appreciated that one, but other than that, then then no. Um, I do feel like, as a whole, when you think about the show concepts that you're going to get this Obi Wan Kenobi standalone show, I think it's a really cool concept that you're going to get to bridge the gap between what was he doing between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Uh, I just feel like I had hoped more for. I think I hear, um, you know, Al talk about it, like the Agent Kenobi type deal where he just goes off and is doing like these various missions, you know, kind of apart from Tatooine, which would have been really cool to see. Um, and then he's just keeping an eye on Luke from afar. And he's just kind of that crazy hermit guy that's around, you know, that Luke you know knows about like that to me is more interesting. And maybe that's where things are going with the season two. You know, should we get it? And we'll talk about that. But um, for this, like the only purpose of this particular show and the way they wrote season one was. I think they tried to bring all these characters in that didn't necessarily need to be in there. Um, like as far as connecting like Leia and Obi-Wan more so than like you ever thought that they really were, which just a little sidetrack, but that the fact that uh, the only, the, well, the main problem that I had, like when I sat back and looked at the whole thing again, was that Leia's character, you know, when she sees Obi-Wan Kenobi get killed in a new hope is kind of like nonchalant about it. And I'm like, dude saved your life when you were a child i feel like there should be some emotional connection there where you're just like hey he's gone it's too late like we gotta go luke like she doesn't seem to care but then i also rewatched it earlier and i saw like whenever he appears at the end of the episode she doesn't really say anything about him she's like lola my droid like she's really excited about that so she's just kind of selfish jesus christ Like she she could have forced bubbled everyone in the right. eye, but she didn't. What a jerk. Uh no. Leia's a jerk. That's my overall takeaway from the <laughs> Kenobi series. And uh I'm looking Is forward that to a staring. Is this a staring contest? <laughs> that was such a good line. I love that line. Should have never worked, but it was so good because I'm so good. I have a seven-year-old. I'm like, yeah, she probably would say that. I think we can agree that the uh actor you know performances throughout the entire series really elevated the material. 
because they they took yes. stuff that like that shouldn't work and you're like all right well i feel a little bit of emotion because you're so good at what you do i, th- I feel like this series when it regards to stakes went from the first three episodes were so tight and so good and then when we got to four and five things really they kind of were like okay we need to stall for time finale and i feel like this in this within the stalling for time there could have been more built up because even if we know we've seen movies based on historical figures or prequels or whatever to and not just within the star wars realm but we that are really good and they're really engaging and there are stakes and we are on the edge of our seat um we know what you know I can't think of the, any goddamn movies I'm going to talk about, but of course, like there are stuff that happens that we're like, okay, we know how this movie is going to end because we know history. Catch me if you can. Here you go. Here's a, a <laughs> random, random movie. I want to say, we know he gets caught. It's literally like in the beginning, this guy gets arrested, but we, I mean, if you didn't like the movie, I guess this doesn't work for you, but we follow the character there are stakes and we're still invested in oh my god how does he get caught like what happens here like how do we get there that still works for me and i i feel ben i understand what you're saying like i felt like we were getting that in the beginning of the series and then they kind of tapered out just to get to this fight with vader i felt like this series was too short but also didn't take enough time with the time they had to build up those stakes you're telling me these couldn't and especially i've said this uh, on other podcasts and even on this one we just got through stranger things season four well most of us have and they're our episodes there's a lot done in these episodes you could do a lot with this kenobi uh with these kenobi episodes it just as alex marcus who was on last episode said this feels like a movie they chopped up into episodes and that kills the flow and i think potentially watching this whole thing uh, a whole run maybe the stakes are there maybe they're not i don't know but i feel like there was some uh, definite um clock mismanagement when it came to this uh this season um Marjani, your thoughts on the stakes of obi-wan kenobi as a, a first season slash only season well i think just going back off to your point it's a issue that i have with marvel uh disney plus shows and as well i'm like does this six episode format really serve the story that they're telling because if you look at falcon and winter soldier that's obviously to me that's a movie that got chopped up into like different parts i think that that particular story um would have worked better as as a shorter season or film and when you have with Kenobi, I think there was an episode that was like 30, 38 minutes. Might have been the um, last episode. They ended <laughs> up, uh, yeah, I think they ended up repeating the whole like, okay, well, Leia, Leia's apparel, I have to go save her in, in two episodes. So when you kind of elongate the storytelling, that's where you leave yourself susceptible to. As far as things going out of canon I, I look at it as like watching the four five and six and then go see and, and then watching the prequel series of like oh this is how anakin turned into darth vader you know like fearing to lose padme and then like palpatine getting in his ear about darth Plagueis and like 
you know, the dark side of the force being able to recreate, like to save life and things of that nature. Um, I, I, I've really enjoyed kind of the psychological aspects of Obi-Wan Kenobi being 10 years removed from Mustafar and what happened with order 66 being on the run, looking for Qui-Gon, which is a payoff from Phantom Menace, uh, and kind of dealing with this grief of losing his best friend slash brother, but also reconnecting with the force and, you know, getting a quote unquote new hope in Leia and Luke again. And then seeing them kind of him and Leia having like these interactions. And I'm sure we'll talk about like what he says about, you know, Padme and Anakin to her, which I thought was, Oh man, like, I, I could imagine for you, Bill, like having a daughter and like then saying that that was like really touching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But like with like the Grand Inquisitor getting stabbed, like I'm like, OK, well, he dies in Rebels. There's no way that he's going to die here. <laughs> like he's going to survive. Like it's the same thing with like Solo and uh, seeing uh, Darth Maul or like in Clone Wars. I'm like, oh, well, you know, like. I'm going to see him again because he doesn't die until Rebels. So it does kind of take a little bit out, but like I'm most interested in seeing like the side stories, like how did this character get, you know, to, you know, seeing Luke and, you know, reviving him after he gets beat up by Tuscan Raiders and, and things of that nature and how like uh, Anakin became this, like that's where my mind was at. Amanda, what about you? Stakes? in this show so i just felt like sometimes the show had an identity crisis because i kind of thought it was going to be more of a connective kind of like Rajani. you know you're, you're you nailed it on the head i feel like just you know here's where obi-wan was here's his mindset but then also i i feel like um you know it it was to again try to connect the pieces of here's some of the gaps of what happened you know, between the prequels and a new hope, you know, a little bit. And I feel like there were moments where the show did that, like in the whole confrontation with Vader and and Ben and their dialogue after, and you know, just really solidifying that Anakin is gone in, in Kenobi's mind. You know, those, those connective moments I felt like were, were really good, but then they tried to throw in stakes sometimes. And I'm like, just gotta, just gotta pick, just gotta pick. Um, you know, it, it, I just kind of felt like at, at times there was that little bit of, of we're going to try to mix in both and it's not going to go well. Cause they could have, if they had picked like one path, you know, and, and maybe again, fill in and focus on Kenobi and his well being and kind of where, you know, where it was, where it was going, his side story, like what did he wind up doing more, more so that would have been cool. You know, his journey to find Qui-Gon, just that whole Kenobi himself as a growth person, or if you're going to have him do spy missions and go rescue people and do things like that, have him do that. Um, it was a lot to try to do in six episodes, or at least try to tell two kind of fragmented stories. It felt like of two parts of Kenobi. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but no, that's kind of where I felt like. I, I agree with you because it, it, it would have been way more interesting, even if he was doing these side missions, like we saw yeah. in episode two, he, he was struggling with the force. And then all of a sudden kind of got it back real quick. 
you know? Yeah, he's like Stella like, got his groove back, you know, kind of thing. Like, it just, it's like, it happens. The first so and only time those two movies, those two properties are going to ever collide. Will ever collide. Um, but, but that's the thing. Like, I would say if they have picked focusing on Kenobi doing side, like side quests, here I am with my, my gaming reference to side quests and kind of doing the spy missions thing, that would have been cool. And they could have they could have devoted a lot more of the writing and the time to that. Or again, let's let's fill in the gaps and get us to where where Ben Kenobi is mentally. How did he get to Ben Kenobi in A New Hope? Where did that character growth come from? How did he figure out how to do the Force again? How did he cope with you know basically leaving his best friend for dead? You know, and seeing that transition happen, it would have been nice to just pick one of those stories and stuck with it because I felt like the content overall would have been better. Um, and that that's where I kind of feel like, you know, I never thought there were really going to be stakes in this, unless, again, it was for the secondary characters, the newer characters, but I really feel like it would have, the show would have been better if they had picked one path or the other to go on. Yeah, and maybe not focus on the path. I felt that was right. a crowbar. That, well, that was lost. I was like, it, they threw that out there. Yeah. And then it was like, here it is. And then, okay, we're going to sweep it under the rug. Yay, they made it. It's great. Yeah. Never hear about the path again. I'm like, y'all kept putting all these significant things on the walls for us nerds to go look for. <laughs> and I'm like, and I never got no Quinlan Boss here, okay? <laughs> or no Cal Kestis or anything like that. Um, but there were some moments, again, just pick a story and stick with it, you know? And, and yeah. So here's here's why I think Mandalorian works better than both Book of Boba Fett and this is because they're just like, this is we're in the world of Star Wars. It's post Skywalker saga. Here's the story of this character. We're going to throw. Yeah, it looks like Yoda, but it's a different character. We'll tie in Luke Skywalker a little bit because it makes sense. Um, at least to me, it did. And then it's just going to be this story about these other characters who are here. There's not a lot connecting that over here. We're going to develop these characters, and here we go. Whereas you're within Boba Fett and and Kenobi, you're a little bit boxed in and confined about what you can do because of preconceived notions and ties to other parts of the universe. Although even with Boba Fett, you had more of a blank slate. You know, they just kind of they just kind of made choices there, um, and those choices were not always the best. It should have been Space Sopranos, and instead it was. The book of Boba Fett and half of in a weird soft pilot for the new. Yeah, story. it was uh, also Mandalorian two point five. It's like yeah. 2. it was like two point two five, and it was just there, and it's like all right, cool. But that's what I mean. It's like the Mandalorian has all this freedom to do what it wants and create and play with some of the stuff we've seen in Star Wars, whereas this is like we're kind of boxed in on what we can do here. You know, uh, real quick, dude. Okay, so when I watched this. I had a fear come <laughs> let the hateful three. Now I had a fear come over me because yeah. there's a rumor through you with the, Ahsoka, <laughs> <laughs> with the with the Ahsoka series is that Vader is gonna show up. Amanda spoke about how powerful that fight was in Rebels, where like it, where he's she's speaking to him. And as much as I would love a Vader series, they're gonna I have to feel like they're going to do one because there's a lot of Star Wars comic canon where they can get into, like where, you know, 
Sidious is afraid of him and like almost kills him sometimes or like the side quests and stuff. I don't want Vader or like the main characters to become a crutch in different uh, like series or anything like that. Like maybe like, you know, they're off in the distance, but I, as much as I'd like Kenobi, I, I'm just fearful that, you know, like we don't get more things like Mandalorian. Like it's more so let's reinvent the Skywalker uh saga which i i really like hope disney gets away from i mean if if thrawn and, and that's what they're going to go after with which we've heard with ahsoka i mean that's fine and again that's kind of what i meant with mandalorian like luke's there it makes sense because yeah another jedi here you go you know but we basically avoided a lot of we avoided any empire stuff outside of, you know there was rogue elements left over from the empire which if you've seen a war movie or you've read history, this is the kind of stuff that happens, you know, and it makes sense. But this here, like I said, again, it's just like, let's get cute with it. I felt they try to get a little cute, especially literally and figurative with the princess Leia. Like being in there, you could have focused more on the, hey, let's focus more on Obi-Wan being a, a utter mess and how he gets, and you could still get to that Vader fight. But he has to get there, but... I have before we get into our review, our final thoughts on the episode. I have to ask everyone about the final shot of this. Well, the final scene of this season, which we finally get Qui Gon Jinn returning. Um, I want to just get everyone's opinion. Do we feel this is how did you personally feel about it? And did you feel this was earned? Because again, he often references Qui Gon. Did you feel this was? an earned and, you know, deserved payoff for this series. So Amanda, I have to start with you because you were, you seem very excited about this. So I want to go with you first, because you've also been talking about. I'm like, I, that was again, other than just the confrontation with the, you know, kind of that emotional moment with Vader and Kenobi, I squealed because I was like, I'm not sure we're going to get Qui-Gon. Maybe, maybe we might. I mean, and I was already pretty excited because the whole, like, even with the look that Obi-Wan comes out with, it's that nice, like, comic, that throwback to the comics. Um, I think it was, like, I want to say it was um, Journal of Kenobi, that series, the comic series. I was already popping for his look. I was like, all right, things are getting better. We're getting better. And I'm like, ah, they tease Qui-Gon a lot, and they've kind of gone away from that, but they kind of tease it. They keep doing it. I'm like, are we going to get it? And, yeah, when it happened, even though it was kind of telegraphed that it was going to happen to you, I popped even Liam Neeson, just the way he comes out and he's like, took you long enough. Like just the way they did it was perfect. Did I want it to be longer? Yes. That was my only thing. I was like, give him him a little bit more, but I I got him and Liam Neeson looks great. And it it was just, even though I felt like it was a hair short, at least it wasn't, they didn't drag it out too long either. Um, It was very impactful Again, just even just his opening, even the stance and everything was just very, yeah. I I squealed. I cho- and I cho- I choked in my water a little bit. I was drinking water when that happened, and I still choked. You had a very, was, very physical reaction. Yeah, I I I was like, and like, and Liam Neeson looks great, and just you could just tell like the genuine like, hey, we like seeing each other kind of thing. Like you you were perked up too. It was great. Um, so. Um, yeah, I, I think it was 
needed. Um, because again, it, it leaves the door open to maybe exploring where Kenobi goes in that, maybe in his training or kind of opening up the door to learning more about how that works with force, how to become a force ghost. Like you could kind of dive into the physics of it, I guess. Um, but yet it also can wrap up if they don't do a season two, it's a nice way to wrap up because you know that he's going to train with Qui-Gon. That comes straight from the prequels. We know he's going to train with Qui-Gon. You know, he's got some teaching to do. So, he, you know, or some learning to do. Um, so I thought it was a nice way to wrap things up and leave it if they're not doing a season two. Ben. On a high note. Yes. Ben, your thoughts. Yeah, well, I thought, um, you know, when Obi-Wan was covered in rocks uh, and things were looking pretty dark for him. I thought. You know, uh, he was had all these other voices of Anakin and whatnot coming to his head. And then I thought, uh, all right, now it's time for Qui-Gon to make his appearance and, you know, speak to him a little bit, uh, give him a special set of skills that he could use to go through <laughs> and defeat uh, Darth Vader. But but no, it was later that they went with. Um, but from what I remember, uh, at the at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, like Yoda's like, hey, you know, somebody's trying to contact you. So did it really take like 10 years for Obi-Wan to finally like make that breakthrough? Because in that case, then, yeah, it's very well deserved because it's been taking way too long. So that's, uh, <laughs> I think it's it's obviously a setup for, you know, what I think will happen is, you know, a second season of Obi-Wan and then they could, you know, have some presence of Qui-Gon throughout that one. But uh, but yeah, definitely well-deserved or well-earned if it, if it took 10 years for him to finally make that connection. And he's got a lot of faith in the force and everything else. If he's been talking to himself for 10 years and got no answers. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like he pops, like I'd have been way more excited when I saw him show up. If I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> thank God. I've been talking to myself for a long time. I never get an answer back. Maybe mm. that's a good thing. Um, Rajani, your thoughts on uh, Qui-Gon uh, returning and not in some like special edition, like, you know, kind of throw him in at the last second to, you know, tie everything together type of way. Oh boy. Um, <clears throat> I felt that like there was no way that Liam Neeson wasn't going to come back and do a cameo. Like it, I, I recalled like somebody like an interview where he was trying to be coy. Like, you know how everybody with multiverse of madness, like, or uh, Andrew Garfield and uh, yeah. no way home where it's like, I'm not in it. Like, what are you talking about? Wait, uh, like, in it? huh? He's in now, it? Yeah, yeah. A, a rumor. <laughs> it was spoiled a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Where he's like, I'm not in it. And he's like, oh, I would love to go back and be Qui-Gon, but I don't know. They never contacted me. Of course he was going to do it. Like, it was a big payoff to what, what Obi-Wan was searching for. And like what Amanda and Ben has just said, you know, like there's that conversation that Obi-Wan has with Yoda. He's like, you know, like, there's still more teaching that you have to do. He can, you know, there's an even greater power within the force. And that's where you see that it pays off in Revenge of the Sith. Well, no, uh, Return of the Jedi, when he talks to Luke as a force ghost. Um, and it opens ways where, you know, Obi-Wan becomes more proficient with the force as he's now let go of the past. And all those past burdens, he can move forth in the present and now become, you know, a greater Je Jedi master, you know, master than he thought he could be. I, I ultimately, yeah, I, I was very happy to see Liam Neeson back, not doing a, you know, his best Charles Bronson impersonation of being in every shitty action movie of all ever. But uh, I, if this does 
like go to a second season, I want him to just be like his boss, like his like his like here's your next mission, or it's like you have to accomplish it. <laughs> like make that about what we were just talking about, the personal side of Obi-Wan Kenobi, where he's going on these missions to enrich himself to ultimately, you know, sit, you know, he needs to do this in order to fulfill his destiny to protect and usher in Luke Skywalker as the savior. Um, that, that, that'll be way more interesting a show. And especially if you're getting Liam Neeson again, in a dramatic role, which we really haven't seen him. And even it's a slightly comedic role because he and Ewan McGregor have a very good chemistry. Like to see them together, I think would be so much more interesting of a show. And if the, if if all of the the warts of this season are the payoff to a very excellent second season, I'm okay with that. Then, so, all right, guys, let's get to our final thoughts here, uh, where we're going to talk about. We're going to answer two questions. One, well, actually, three questions. I apologize. One on a scale of one to ten what we thought of the episode scale of one to 10, what we thought of the series and just a quick, yes, your quick thought for season two, we've already kind of said it. So we're going on a scale of one to 10. My personal favorite ones will be uh sassy uncle Owens. Uh, so uh, Ben, I'm going to start with you on a scale of one to 10 sassy uncle Owens. Uh, what do you rate this episode, this series, and will we see a second season? I do listen to this podcast, and so I, I thought maybe you might ask the audience what we should rate it as, and I, I had prepped one, but I do... Well, what was it? What was it? <laughs> it was uh, Useless Lola Droids, but... Uh, oh, yes. Oh, forget it. Yes. <laughs> useless Lola Droids. That, yes. There we go. Yes. It's just, it just was created to be on, uh, you know, Disney uh, Disney World's shelves, I think. Yeah, it's a money play. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's go up one to ten, Useless Lola Droids. Uh, what do you rate the episode season and do we get a season two? So this was for strictly, even if I was just basing it off of the interaction that we get to see uh, between, you know, Obi-Wan and, and Anakin, you know, talking with the mask and the lighting and the voice and all that stuff that we talked about. It's the best episode of the series for me. Um, so I'll give this one an eight. I think the, uh, the series as a whole, I'm less like uh, less, less thrilled with uh, probably like a, six and a half maybe as an overall series uh, i do think that we're going to get a second season of obi-wan um and i'm, I'm thinking that it's going to be more i don't think we're going to see darth vader and obi-wan interact again in season two i would hope that they wouldn't i think that they closed that you know as well as they possibly could in this season so i'm excited to see him go off and hopefully do something outside of this and you know involve all some of the other stuff in the lore and whatnot that they kind of hinted at throughout this particular season maybe help that you know path that they spoke on. Um, so I'm hopeful for season two and I'm thinking it's going to be better. Like, you know, Bill said, you're hopeful that it's going to, this was the groundwork, you know, for something better to come. And I definitely think that that's possible. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with it from here, but this left a little bit to be desired for me. Uh, for me. Uh, I mean, I went as high as a nine on the first three episodes uh, and Ben was like, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> um, as, as a couple other people said to me as well. Uh, it definitely did take it. Uh, so for this one, I feel like kind of summates um, the season where is there are, there are parts of episode of this episode, which are absolutely amazing. And I think will live in star Wars history as great iconic scenes and great iconic shots and uh but as a it does have a lot of problems uh so i'm gonna go 
and well, while well, still saying that, I'm going to give this one an eight because I feel like it's a step down from where I I really loved episode two a lot, uh, but it's a definite step up from the last two episodes. So I'll give it an eight because I thought this was very entertaining overall as a series. Um, I'm going to go a little higher than Ben. I'll probably stick with like a seven and a half on the show because I feel there is because I want to watch this again, but I want to see if I can do this if possible one day as a straight binge to see how it plays all together instead of just watching it as an episodic, because I do feel like this will work better as a very long movie. So I'm very interested to see how that'll work. And that actually might change my rating. Um, But I really enjoyed this scene. I think again, the parts of this series that really worked, worked excellently. Ewan McGregor, the actress portraying Leia, the Leia and Ben relationship, those fight scenes, amazing. Stuff I didn't like, you had this Camille Nanjiani character who I thought was completely underserved outside of episode two. It was literally, can you take care of Leia for me? Okay, I guess. And I'm not uh, a babysitter, Ben. Yeah, and if you're going to do a season two, he should be his sidekick. Like, they yes. should be. They they have to. There's too much good stuff here to not have them together for an episode or two. Um, I still I still think the path was very weak, although I do like if you're going to have O'Shea Jackson Jr. return to the series, he's the one I want to see return to the series because there's a lot of, I think, um, there's a lot of stuff there that they haven't tapped into with him yet. And if he goes on to be a character we didn't realize in A New Hope, I'm even there. I'm there for that as well. Um, I do think we get a second season because I this was the highest streamed premiere for Disney Plus, even more than The Mandalorian. And that was, uh, to me, The Mandalorian is a staple of pop culture based on Sweet Baby Boy, um, Grogu. And this doesn't have that. This doesn't have that cultural resonance that The Mandalorian had. Or little kids are going to be, or you know, forty-year-olds are going to be wearing Baby Yoda shirts or having Baby Yoda whatevers. Like there was nothing like that from here, but it's still the most watched thing they did. So yeah, there's going to be a season two because money is to be made. Uh, Marjani. Well, I think with the finale, I'll probably go with an eight point five uh, for the shortfalls that it had, kind of with some of the Reva stuff. Uh, I think with the Vader and Kenobi final series and their interaction and the one that Kenobi has at the end with Leia and how he eulogizes both Padme and Anakin to her, speaking about their qualities and what she has, that's probably going to go down as like some of my favorite scenes um, in Star Wars canon uh, and live canon. Uh, other than, you know, the hello there, like it's just like the Easter eggs were, were pretty cool um, as a series. I'll probably go seven, seven point five as, as like a lot of people have. Well, as everybody, you know, have thought and like it said, the highs of Kenobi are high, like they're beautiful. They're, they're uh, among the best in Star Wars. But the lows, especially with kind of redoing the search and rescue missions, uh, some of Reva's kind of um, things with like, you know, she it's like this redemption arc. But like, as Ben said, like torturing, uh, (laughs) tortured Leia to try to get information from her. It's just like, okay, well, 
Uh, and then the talk that she has with Kenobi, she's like, you don't know what I've done or I've done like terrible things. It's like, oh, well, all right. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe don't do that. You know what I mean? Especially. Yeah. Like the logic of her doing terrible things, but yet the target is Vader. So I'm like, you're working for him yet. You know what I mean? You're doing, you're still doing his bidding. It's a little weird, but um, I think it leaves the groundwork for things uh, like, like you said, like O'Shea Jackson's and, and Broken. We see the beginnings of the rebellion. That would be something really cool to kind of go into as the Empire builds their war chest. How does the rebellion, like we've seen it in Rogue One, but how does a rebellion build? What does he talk about? Because he said that he was married to a Jedi, right? Or yeah, for sure. Yeah, like mm-hmm. why don't we go into that and like why, you know what I mean? And that loss and what the human cost of propping up these Jedi principles in the face of evil. I would love to see that. Um, I want more things with Kenobi off world and off Tatooine. I know these shows love Tatooine. Get away. Mm-hmm. Go away. Get away. But I'm, yeah. Yeah, Everything's but I'm kinda, a stone's throw away. <laughs> but I'm kind of tired of looking at desert all the time. Like the, yeah. you know, the, the second episode where he goes on to like the, Blade they, Runner. They go on, yeah, the Blade Runner like planet where like you know, uh, like where what worlds or the Outer Rim even like the, who does he come in contact with? Does he come in contact with Thrawn or the other thing? So listen, Disney loves their views and their money and to milk things and the Star Wars franchise. So of course we're gonna get a second episode two, the Mandalorian, uh, oh, a season two, the Mandalorian worked. And we're on season three and arguably 2.5 last year. Uh, but I would, yeah, I, I want to see, especially when we're getting Andor, um, more of the Bad Batch, uh, Ahsoka, and shows of that nature that are going away from the canon that we used to know. Kenobi doing things like training with Qui Gon and like who he interacts with outside of Vader. Because like what Ben said, like, I don't want to see, now that we have this finale, I don't want to see them interact again. I just want in my mind, okay, they see each other in New Hope, and then that's where uh, Obi-Wan is. If, if, we, if they come in contact, it lessens the impact of what we just yeah. saw. Also, um, why can't we not get a Yoda-Obi-Wan team up? Because Yoda's still out there. They're still buddies. Yeah. Like, why not have them do something in uh, a, a Kenobi series? It, it would work. I mean, it could. Be yeah, bad. like is is Yoda just chilling in Dagobah the entire yeah, I time? Saw a like, meme. There's no way. <laughs> I saw a meme about that. I think Ben I said that one too, where he's like asleep, and it's like it's like Yoda on Dagobah. On Dagobah. You're just like sleep in the hole. Yeah, yeah, like like Yoda just stands by as like you know Jedi get put in the inquisitorship for trophies like i i don't believe that you know no i don't either amanda uh overall episode rating season rating season two episode rating i'm gonna say like a seven and a half and i say that because i loved the again the vader the lightsaber scenes the fight scenes were great um and how it kind of you know, at least with Obi-Wan, he was able to wrap up things in a way. Like, 
you know, okay, he packed, you know, said his goodbye to Leia. The eulogy was perfect. I loved it. It was, it made me cry too as a parent. I was like, oh, let's hope somebody says something nice like that about me to Seth. If it ever comes down to it one day. But, um, you know, it, it, so I felt like Obi Wan kind of wrapped up things in a, in a way. Um, I really liked the, again, with Roken, you know, I know it's been, it's been mentioned, super cool. And I'm kind of hoping we see him like an Andor. That'd be like a fun connective piece um, in a way where he maybe he just pops up in Andor, you know, or is the one who maybe gives him like, well, missions to do, or at least like you see him somewhere and gets involved. That, that would be cool. Um, and I feel like that might be a good place for Roken uh, to, to pop up in at some point would be Andor, maybe like a little older Roken or like, you know, it, it would be, it would be cool to see that. Um, so seven and a half for the episode. Cause again, the, the, the things that were disjointed, just, it took away from the, the Darth, you know, the, the encounter, it took away from that a little bit. So, um, the series, you know, everyone hit nails in the head in terms of when it's the highs were high, the lows were low. Um, but I still, I still enjoyed it. And I'm going to say probably again, like a seven and a half, maybe eight. Um, episode three, episodes two and three were awesome. Um, as, as, and again, this last episode was good too. Um, you know, there's, there's still stuff like I, I'd watch it again with my son, uh, you know, and I, I, I would still enjoy it. Um, would I score it up like nine or 10? No, I don't think I would watch this over and over and over again. Um, but you know, it, 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 it still was better than I expected. It could have gone in an entirely different direction and not in a good way. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy, especially with the highs. The highs were really, really, really good for me. Um, and I agree. There's too much money to be made not to have a season two. Um, I just worry that they're going to... My concern about season two of Kenobi, instead of exploring new concepts, again, having him go off world. Or, you know, again, I want to see learn more about how the Force works. I have that flushed out more. And, like, see what Qui-Gon would teach him. And, you know... Um, and even again, you know, having Haja come back, because I'm like, man, if he's watching kids, he can come watch mine. <laughs> He'd be a cool babysitter. Um, super underserved. But, you know, kind of seeing more of the impact of, of just, the, just the growth of the rebellion and the impact, even on the clones, I would like to see that too. I would like to see, you know, Kenobi have an encounter like with Cody, you know, or, I mean, they kind of threw it out there. They kind of threw it out there with, with, you know, episode two, where you see the clone veteran out there, which I still think it's Rex. People are like, no, it's not like it. I think it's Rex. But um, but just seeing some of that a little bit, a little bit about what happened to the clones, or even just, you know, is Cody still hunting him? Is Order 66 still kind of back? Like, we're, that would be interesting, too. I, I feel like there's a lot of things that they could explore, but I worry they're going to retread and kind of go the mall route, as excited as I would be to see mall it's just it's been it's been done and i feel like they might jettison where they kind of some of the, the the threads that they've started and kind of going in favor of that route to get the big reaction to get the kind of the the, the quick and easy payoff because everyone would it'd be cool to see that animated live at, or that animated scene brought back to life but again that's no stakes and they're going to keep it as a no stakes because we all know what happens in rebels um so i'm worried they're going to just retread that path um and i mean if they do it i would hope that they look at obi-wan's past to mandalore that would be cool if they did it that way i'd be okay with it um with satine and that kind of thing but 
I just worry they're going to retread some old, old ground for easy, easy pops and kind of jettison the path. Jettison like Obi-Wan potentially going off world, force training, um, you know, so, so many cool concepts that they could explore, but, but yeah. gonna, you know, I just worry they're going to go the, the cheap, easy, big popper out. I, yeah, we could all, yeah, I could see that as well. All right, guys. Well, that's sadly that wraps up Sith happens, but what we're going to do is uh, we're going to get into some pop culture recommendations real quick for everyone to check out. Of course, this could be a television show, movie, book, song, uh, podcast, doesn't matter. And I just remembered I never picked one, so I'm not going to go first. Uh, but also, guys, when you're talking about this, just don't forget to talk about you all the content you have coming out. Plug your social media. Actually, you know what? I do remember what I'm going to pick, so I'll go first just to set the trend. Of course, you could follow me on Twitter at BodkinWrites, W-R-I-T-S. Yes, I am a roller coaster of emotion today. Um, I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. You can uh, listen to me on this podcast as well as my other podcasts, uh, uh, TV Break, which debuts, uh, which sorry, which drops air the first Wednesday of every month on all your favorite podcasting platforms under the Breakcast. Also, I am the bill in bill versus the mcu we just dropped the first part of our latest our june episode on tuesday where we talked about thor ragnarok and black panther myself and alex marcus who was our guest last week on saturday which is tomorrow we are dropping the second part of that where we have an extended talk about the first time i've ever watched infinity war boy there was a lot of emotions in that and then also ant-man and the wasp next month we will be closing out the uh third phase of the mcu proper um, as for me, for on the written side of things, I have overextended myself to an ungodly degree, as I just wrote about Jeff Bridges' new series, The Old Man, which is very good. You should check that out. Uh, also, I will be watching, I'm reviewing Miss Marvel Episode 3. I will be on the Anniversary Brothers podcast talking about Air Force One, that Harrison Ford classic, which I have to watch after I, I send this podcast off to be edited. And then I will be on a brand new podcast about Batman. Our old film editor, Dan Cohen, is going to be doing a monthly podcast about Batman called as of right now, I think it's called Martha, a Batman podcast. Uh, Marjani, I know you're a Batman fan, so you will be in touch with Dan at, at some point. This is Dan's first hosted podcast he's going to be doing in four years, so I'm very excited to be a part of that. Uh, and as for my pop culture recommendations, one I had a long time ago, and I just started rewatching the series to finish it off, and that's Taika Waititi's Our Flag Means Death, which is a wonderful show. It is so much fun. It's such a, a funny and dry and heartfelt and sort of actiony show that just has a wonderful, wonderful romance between Blackbeard the Pirate and the the dandy Ste uh, Captain Steed. It is just wonderful to watch Reese Darby and uh, Taika Waititi fall in love on screen. It is currently streaming on HBO Max. It will have a second season uh, within the next year. I know Reese Darby is currently on tour doing stand-up, and Taika Waititi, of course, will be doing Love and Thunder. So that is it for me. I have way too much going on. But, of course, check out The Pop Break on Instagram and Twitter at The Pop Break. Ben. Tell people where they can hear you lamenting your football team, all the stuff that you've written, some of the stuff I've forgotten to post, and uh, other things you have going on. Yeah, so it's at BD Merkson on Instagram and Twitter. Got a couple more happy months before the football season kicks off, and I get miserable on there. Um, 
things that are posted yeah there will be an episode five review that's really good i promise it's going to get out there it's uh, the first then, thing this morning <laughs> it, it, it's already on the site <laughs> and then uh, i'll be writing episode six so you know lament some of the stuff that we just talked about and uh take everybody's best thoughts and put that into a review and call it my own and uh then <laughs> i'm uh, currently watching a show called terminalist um that has chris pratt uh taylor kitsch who i love and constance Wu starring uh, so I'll be writing a review on that pretty soon. Um, and it's dropping on Amazon Prime early July. Um, outside of that, my pop culture recommendation, I thought about saying something that would be unexpected. But then I also realized that I never actually get a chance to talk about this show on a podcast. So the Peaky Fucking Blinders uh, <laughs> final season did come out a few weeks ago. It's amazing. It uh, continues to be excellent. It continues to be my favorite show on television. Um, the final series is maybe the least action-forward season of the series, but um, it's more focused on the character drama, which is always like a strong suit for it. And the acting performances in this season six are just across the board on a totally different level. Everybody's fantastic. Um, ironically, the the women of the series really take front and center a lot, uh, especially Sophie Rundle, who plays Ada Shelby, uh, is an amazing character. Uh, Natasha O'Keefe plays Lizzie Stark, does has a great arc on that. Um, she's a phenomenal actress. And they've got really big shoes to fill because, you know, the big question coming into the final season was, yeah. unfortunately, Helen McCrory passed away, who was just a force of nature on that show. Yeah. Um, so Stephen Knight, the writer, had a tough task of trying to tidy all that stuff up. Um, and he doesn't really give the show a clear conclusion, which is good because he does have plans for a film that are supposed to come. And then they're going to probably do some spinoff type stuff with it. But uh, even the, the show by itself kind of ending, you know, this chapter of, you know, it, in this particular form, um, it does have a really interesting, you know, satisfying conclusion to me. Um, and I do have a review of that that was on Pop Break uh, last week, I think, too. So you can go check that out. But if you haven't gotten into it yet, I still recommend it because it's only six episodes like per season. There's only six seasons, so you can binge it pretty fast, and it's great. Yeah, I'm on season three. I've been there since March. I'll You'll get, get there eventually, Bill. I believe in you. I, I don't. Uh, Marjani, uh, you have a lot going on, so tell us where people can find you and uh, you know your pop culture recommendation. Uh, everybody can find me at well, on Twitter and Instagram at Mirjani Rawls, uh, M-U-R-J-A-N-I-R-A-W-L-S. Whew. Uh, so I'm probably going to do something. I have something brewing about Kenobi and some of the themes that resonate kind of without, you know, throughout the Star Wars um, series. So it's probably going to drop on Pop Break soon. And now that Bill knows. Uh, also, there are a bunch of movies that dropped this week. Uh, you got Elvis. You got the Black Phone. Uh, on a smaller scale, you got Marcel with the shoes on. Yeah. I think there's something with Netflix. Um, of course, next week, uh, you got Stranger Things uh, Season 4, Volume 2, which is basically two episodes, but they're four and a half hours <laughs> in total. Which is crazy to think about. Uh, of course, uh, you have Thor: Love and Thunder coming up. That I'll probably write about. And then the Minions movie. Listen, I love Minions. All right, Despicable yeah. uh, Me is hilarious to me. Uh, yeah, I have um, my pop culture recommendation. Well, I, I hope that everybody's been watching The Boys 
uh, the season. Yes. I love that season. And this weekend is the quote unquote hero gasm episode. Uh, if anybody, <laughs> if anybody's read the comic, I don't. Okay, so everybody's been hyping this episode up, and just think of gasm and what how ridiculous this show is. Uh, and they've been building it, it up as like what goes on in the comic. If, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's every bit as graphic and ridiculous as you think it is. So if you watch the boys, first of all, if you're not watching the boys, please go ahead. I know everybody has Amazon, so yeah, I, go I, and start it. But especially this suit. Yeah, especially the, this episode. <laughs> yeah, the first scene is crazy. Especially this episode, Hero Gasm, this weekend, which I'm sure is going to be a ball. No pun intended. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Are you going to be shooting anything soon? I know you shot Nine Inch Nails recently. Um, I don't think so because there's so much tv and movies that are coming up i'm kind of like focused on that mm-hmm. uh, like you like I said like miss marvel's going on you know we got thor love and thunder coming up and then there's a lot of like you said nope is coming up you know yeah there's so much on down the pipe that that's probably where i'm gonna be focused so all right check them out at Johnny rawls on all your favorite platforms and amanda our esteemed resident guest, take us home. Uh, tell us where people can find you, where people can find Thunder Rosa's Mission Pro Wrestling, as well as your pop culture recommendation as fireworks golf in the background for the third straight week in a row. <laughs> God damn it. It's uh, Forbidden Door yeah. Weekend. It is. And uh, first of all, Marjani, you, you shot my favorite band in the whole wide world. I love Night Nails. I was like dying because I love them. Favorite, favorite, favorite band of all time. Same, same. All time. Yes, I would probably have cried. I don't know. I'd probably pass out if I ever meet Trent Reznor. Totally will pass out. But anyway, it's a whole segue. I'm like, literally, if y'all would, if, if like the video ever shows, Ben saw it, y'all saw it. I pretty much was frozen in time for a moment. Um, so yes, where to find me on social? I am at Amanda Lorian uh, on Instagram primarily with just all kinds of randomness where I am talking about Mission Pro Wrestling with our upcoming shows. All my nerd t-shirts. I'm a big anime Star Wars fan. I do uh, my cosplays as well. So you'll see that. Um, And of course, Mission Pro Wrestling. Please follow us on all social media platforms. Uh, We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are on TikTok now. Um, I'm trying to think of YouTube. Um, We usually go live sometimes here like once a week, you know, with with some of our our wrestlers uh, for some of the upcoming shows. So please don't hesitate to check us out. Um, if you are in Oklahoma City Saturday, we will be at the OKC Comic Con. And so check us out. We've got a, a great uh, lineup for you guys, a great card. Our next show is going to be August 20th here in San Antonio. And um, it is in partnership with the Hybrid School of Wrestling, which is the premier wrestling school uh, here in San Antonio, really across the country. We have people who've relocated to come and train at the school. So it's amazing. Um, so we've got our, our match card is set. So check us out. You can stream us at Title Match Network. You can watch, or yeah, watch Title Match Network. And then of course, come if you're in Texas, come check us out in person. It's an amazing time. Uh, my pop culture recommendation: I went, of course, mine were Johnny last week was The Boys as well. Fantastic show. Justice for Timothy. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> on that. Um, but I went a little different route with with my pop culture recommendation because when I was in um, New Orleans last week for work. I actually wound up coming across, I'm, I'm going to come across the Vanity Fair, um, Matt Current June edition of the magazine cover. It has, if you're a Star Wars fan, 
this is gorgeous. We've got some of, of course, they were shown online, but the um, photos by Annie Leibovitz, who has shot some iconic photos from before, she's got the photo shoot with, you know, Ahsoka, with, of course, Mando, Kenobi, and, you know, Andor. I mean, this is just, if you need this, <laughs> you need this, on, you know, in your collection. I mean, the photos are even just more beautiful published. I happened to see it. And I was like, I, I need this um, in my life. And it is now part of my collection. And I, yes, and I rarely buy magazines. And I'm telling you, this is just, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. That's and that is the first magazine reference we've uh, recommendation we've ever had. And I, going I a different route. I'm going a different route. So I, I, yes, this, this, this particular issue is worth it. If you're a Star Wars fan, beautiful. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for our final installment of our Sith Happens review series for Marjani Rolls, for Ben Murkerson, and for Amanda Rivas. This is Bill Bodkin saying we'll see you in a few, we'll see you next week where we're interviewing Jukebox the Ghost's Tommy Siegel. May the force be with you. Mm-hmm.